welcome to the gray area where I dispense advice and give interviews on relationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray and this is the eighth podcast in a weekly series titled The Creation of Gaming. Last week's episode was a roundtable with Dex and Wemmick about Dungeons and Dragons and DDO. Please visit www.genesee.com, the gray area homepage, and add to the forum discussion on this topic to tell me your story. Today is Monday, March 14th, and this week we speak again with Dragonitis, who is studying to be a game designer, and Dragon, I don't know the university you're at, so if you want to tell me that, that would be awesome. Uh, that's uh, Quantum College in Sydney. Quantum College in Sydney. Well, welcome back to the show. Yeah. Thank you. It, it sounds like you could put that on your resume and, and say, you know, very impressively, I'm a game designer from Quantum that sounds good. Yeah, well, you know, however, the, the funny thing is, it's not spelt quantum, it's missing a U, so everyone's like, hey, quantum? <laughs> not as impressive. impressive, no. That's okay. Um, you and I have talked before about some of the projects you're doing, um, certain terms like cinematic come up and things like that that you've explained to me, but yep. uh, in a basic way, can you kind of break down the creative process for creating a game, let's say like Halo or Half-Life? Because I would assume you'd use an interfacing software to design the world, and the ones I've seen when I've been doing a little bit of research on this are like DirectX and stuff. Tell us more about that and what you use. Okay, so the process is, uh, there, there are many sides to it, um, and before you even get into the game, there's, you know, just so much work put into designing the story and, and the, the mechanics behind behind the game, you know, and a lot of time is actually spent on, on the, the documents and the artwork and, and these things that then go into the game. Um, once you get into that process, you actually, um, You've done, you know, a fair, a fair amount of time, or spent a, a fair amount of time um, making prototypes uh, of the game and whatnot, and then from there you'd then um, go into an engine. In this case, something like, um, for example, Unreal Tournament, and use their editor to, to make a game. Often, um, the editors that we get in public are, are a lesser version of um, of what companies actually use um, and buy to to make their games. So the the mm. process is quite long, too long to actually you know talk about in you know a single show. It's it's yeah it's very very complex. It seemed like to me there are a lot of different parts, and I know that uh, at times you've had to work together with a team on those parts. A game designer out in a business world would they be handling all the different aspects of this as far as you know the imagery of of you know making your textures and and all the different three D components versus designing the story and then the other things together would one person be doing all that or do they break you up into teams in an actual working environment? In the working environment, they they usually have um, like a team of, of designers, a team of programmers, um, artists. And all that sort of coming together. So, yeah, you would break it up and delegate the the, the tasks to, to different people. Um, so, you know, the artists would do the textures and the art, and in in that group, you know, you'd have one or two people doing textures, and you know, one or two people doing concept artwork, and then you'd have all the programmers working on, you know, different sections of the game or working on different mechanics, making sure that it all works together. Um, and on top of that, you've got the the, the designers who who are, are well versed in each of the the disciplines that make up a game. 
going between each of the teams and saying, okay, we need to have more of this, or we need to uh, to make our enemies more like that. And then on top of that, we've actually got the the director and the producers who determine what what everything needs to look like. So I mean, we don't actually have a hand in how it, how it needs to look. We just need to relay the information to the to the appropriate people, as well as work on things like um, the story and the theme and 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 basically the the overall aesthetic of the game, how it looks, the genre. So you know, if it's a space game, like what sort of things would you include that would make it spacey, like um, technology, or you know, if it was a fantasy game, what sort of things you'd imagine in like a fantasy setting. So you know, environments and all that sort of stuff. But What's, it is very much team-based. What would be your specialty in that team? What's the aspect that you handle? A lot of the time I end up handling um, the story. Uh, I also do a fair amount of uh, level design, so um, I'm very good at, at coming up with um, a level layout. Like a map? Uh, Explain to me what level design yeah. means. Okay, so a level design is basically when you go into your favorite game, say Dragon Age, or um, you know something like Spyro or whatever. Each level is like a zone. So um, you know from where you your character starts off or spawns mm-hmm. to the end where you get like a score or you you finish that part of the story. That's considered a level. So so you're just there, doing the like, layout, but you're not actually designing the way it looks, or is that part of that? No, no. I part part of that is is actually designing how it looks and keeping it very similar to how you know the 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 style needs to be often um what happens is is that the the concept artist will give us uh, a proof of concept okay so they'll say okay this is what it needs to look like and then from there we'll then go and start building the level using um assets that you know another team like um animators or you know modelers will make for us and then we just implement those into the world and we're sort of more hands-on with you know building everything up um, and connecting all the code together to, to then make the game. But to answer your question with level design, level design is basically drawing up the map of you know the, the zone that the player will walk through mm-hmm. and then from there sort of you know building what the player will see. So yeah. Okay. Um, with the teams you've worked with before, what are some of the pros and cons to working with, with a group of people? And would you choose to go this route if it was up to you when you do get a professional job? Uh, teams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I've had my fair share of, of uh, uh, very poor teams, teams that don't work together very well. Um, and as much as I dislike them, but they, they have their benefits. I mean, one man can't really just do all this work by himself. It would take an extremely long time mm-hmm. to do. But it is probably something that I would I would do um, going into the into the business world. Given that a lot of games are uh, a team effort, you know, it's it's just too much work for one man to do by himself. I wonder if um, teams are as integrated as they seem to be in the classes that you're taking, because I sort of imagine it in my mind that there may be 20 people working on level design and 20 people working on coding, and they probably, those 20 people all kind of collaborate, and then once they have that final product, you know, there might be one person that talks to the other team, you know, that's that's doing different things, and it, it might not be quite as interactive as it seems to be 
in some of the things you're doing. Do you think that's true? In a sense it is. Uh, there is sometimes, um, and quite often, um, it's not as interactive as it could be or is. Most often or not, everyone will get their briefing, they'll break off into their separate groups and, and start building um, or start doing the tasks that they've been set. However, it is quite common to have one person going between those different groups and communicating with those groups and then coming back and, and reporting on what everyone's doing and the progress that they've made. Um, uh, I was wondering it. about that because it seems like you would have so many different visions, it would be really difficult to coordinate all of that into one collective you know, decision. Is there is there such a thing like you're saying a, there's a director or somebody that's kind of is the final call on how this comes together? Yeah, um, there, there are there are, in each team there's like a director who determines how everything needs to look and then he res he reports back to you know the, the, the project director um, and he has the final say on okay this bad guy needs to have more spikes or this level needs to have more hazards or whatever the case may be he has the final say on, on all that so he's the one that's managing all the groups um, at, okay. at, at one time Go back to the pros and cons a little bit. I kind of uh, cut you off a little bit. I'd like to hear your response to that. Okay, so pros and cons. Um, I think the pros on, on on being in a team and you know and working in a group is that you have several people that you can rely on. So you know you're not taking on again you're not taking the work on just by yourself. You you know you can delegate to other people who can do these things for you and it allows you to, to more focus on, on the, the bit that you've been given um, and not do a half-assed job. Uh, another pro would be the fact that you actually can, it actually builds friendships by, by you know, working on, on a game. Basically we've been told for our final assignment uh, which is coming up at the end of the year where we actually have to make a game and present it to industry mm -hmm. that we shouldn't actually work with friends because we've already built those friendships and the trials and tribulations that come from building a game can actually ruin those friendships because you're basically at each other's throats 24-7 to get work done and an and hour and we're, I think we've got about um, six months or so to, to actually build that game so you know it's, it's just 24-7 group work from there on out so that's one of the cons is that if you work with friends the possibility is that if you guys don't work well together or you know mesh well then you're, you're, you're putting a friendship at stake there and sometimes it's, you just don't, you lack the professionalism that is required to make a good game. Um, I could yeah. see that. I mean this is sort of a unique situation where in the workplace it's going to be about the work first but it's slightly different here. It's not so much a, a case of oh, this guy's my friend, you know, we're going to do well together because, you know, we know each other. You need to maintain that, that, that professionalism and that standard, and you can't do that by working with friends. However, I will state that there are cases where, you know, you and your friend, in this, in this case, I've actually got a friend myself um, from, from uni who, who no longer goes, goes to college because she uh, got an internship. She and I worked together really well, like we maintained a professional standard while at the same time um, producing some amazing work and just, you know, really building our friendship on top of 
the, the work that we were doing um, because we thought so alike and we had very similar ideas. Mm. And, you know, combining those that, that effort just made, you know, such a great um, product in the end. Nice. Well, that's probably a rarity, so I'm glad you got to experience that. I would think throwing a bunch of strangers together and uh, you know, hoping that it all shakes out in the end can be a little bit harrowing. Uh, I, I, I know what that's like. I've, I've been there and, and I, I did that um, while, while I was studying, and that didn't turn out so great. Um, you remember, I came and spoke to you about that massive issue I had um, in one of my previous assignments where one of my friends, or not so much one of my friends, but one of the people that I was working with didn't contact me for several weeks and the assignment was due that day, mm -hmm. if you remember. I remember the technical and... difficulties. <laughs> yeah, that's sorry. I, I well and truly freaked out. The guy didn't contact me and I didn't know what to do. So, um, it does have its flaws if, I, if, if you work with uh, a group of people and you don't know what their work ethic is like. Mm-hmm. How essential is coding knowledge? I mean, the coding knowledge I know is like C plus and things of that nature. I'm not sure what you use. Um, tell me more about the coding of it. I don't understand if you're working with sort of a program that's an interface between you and the world you're building, how the coding comes in, and kind of give me some more information about that if you would. Okay, so the coding um, is basically... Uh, the best way to put it is that the main language that's used in, in games industry is C++ now. It's probably the, the strongest and most um, sophisticated language that we can use. Um, and coding works in that we have programmers that write the code. So the game designer will design a mechanic. So in this case, say, um, I don't know, pick a game, any game. Halo. Okay, so in Halo you have several mechanics. You have running, jumping, shooting. Um, they're, they're your three basic mechanics. You've got other things like opening doors and, and whatnot, but take your basic mechanic of shooting. Um, we'll, we'll say, okay, so in this game, um, Master Chief needs to shoot the aliens. So we'll go to a programmer and say, what can you do um, on, a, uh, on a projectile based code? So the designer needs to understand a little bit about coding, about what the what the programmer can actually achieve using C++. So mm -hmm. in this case, I'm going to get a little bit technical here by saying, you know, he can you know apply a rigid body. He can actually put in these these lines of code that determine the characteristics of, of the bullets or the rate of fire of the gun, um, and and what happens or you know it's it's really just a very long equation saying you know. If X hits Y, then it will then refer to, say, like, um, a function talking about, you know, the, the enemy's health. So, say the mm -hmm. enemy has 100 health, it'll say, if X being the bullet hits Y being the enemy, then minus, you know, 10 from the, the enemy's health pool or something. Um, that's very simplistic and, and by no, you know, by any means is incorrect in um, coding. It's very, very simple. Um, but that's that's generally how it works. It's it's very much just a, an equation of if something happens, then you know what's what's the reaction or what's the consequence from that action. Um, so it's all cause and effect, really. Okay. Yeah, it's very 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 complicated, and you know, you, a lot of the time when I'm looking at code, I sort of just face it. Down. <laughs> 
Well, so it, you're saying it involves things that are actions that occur in games. Um, you know, I've often wondered, okay, here's my character in Dragon Age. She's talking and she makes a face and then she turns to this other guy and talks. You know, how does that sort of thing happen? Is that something that you design almost like a flip book or is that a code that someone's writing? You know, I get confused about exactly how those, those actions occur. So, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense of the bullets in what you're saying. Uh, that's, that's a, that's... Again, that was very simplistic um, in the terms of like a, a cinematic. That's very much more into the territory of animation, where the code will, like I said, everything works in in tandem um, or in conjunction with each other. Where, like, if you get to a point where you hit a cinematic, the code will say, "Okay, now play this cinematic," and then from there it then passes on to the animators' hands, who then say, "Okay, we need to control the facial movements of." say, um, Morrigan from Dragon Age 2, mm -hmm. while she's talking to, you know, this NPC or whatever the case may be, and they'll actually play out a little movie um, based on that. And then code can be inserted into that where you then have your your options to, to play out that dialogue. So you almost have five little mini-movies, like a choose-your-own-adventure, and whatever you choose to say in that situation will, will trigger exactly. a specific movie. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, you know, it, it, when it comes down to it, everything is sort of, you know, melded into one. So coding and animation and level design, they're all separate, but at the same time, they're all flowing into each other because, you know, they're, they're all connected. They, they all require, you know, the other two to, to work. And don't get me wrong, it's not just three elements. There are so many other elements that go into a game, you know. At the end of the day, you know, there's just so much in a game that goes on in the background that you don't even know. You don't. You can't even comprehend what what's going on. So yeah. it sounds very complicated, and and it sounds like each game is kind of a little bit of a, a group of people, and not just one person. You know, contributing like you're saying. You know, maybe you have a pet person that you've designed. You know, the smile for Morgan, and every time you see that cinematic, you feel really proud to see her smile. You know, because that was your team of two or something. It sounds like everyone has so many little bits that they contribute to this whole. That it's kind of everybody's baby. It is, it is, and when you have a look at the credits, the credits of games, you'll notice that it's not just, you know, 12 people or something. There is just a massive team that, that goes into, into making these games and, you know, just, you know, every little movement and every little action that the player can take or, or the character makes has been designed by someone and, you know, it's, when, when a game does come out, um, it, it's, a work of, of joy and regardless of whether it bombs or not um, in sales that they can still be very proud that at least that they got the game out mm -hmm. um, and, and that you know they've got it on the shelf because a lot of the time if things don't work out in that team then the game will go bust and never be released that's a lot of a lot of hard work that's gone into a game um, that's just been wasted Yes, I would think just having it out there is kind of the reward. You know, you've made it through the process, and whether it does well or not is kind of an extra bonus for the fact that it lived long enough to survive the uh, creation process with all those people. What are you working on now with your projects? So, currently, uh, projects that I've got in the works, I'm, I'm currently part of a team called Storm in a Teacup. Um, we're, we're building a, uh, a level in Little Big Planet 2, which is um, supposed to be like a. Uh, an expansion of Little Big Planet 2. I just beat that this sense. week, by the way. Did you? Yes, just this what week. Do you think? Um, I was a little uh, 
I don't know, deflated by the ending. I expected something, after working that hard to, to do all the levels, I expected something a little more dramatic. I don't know, just the explosion of him and then some bad poetry and, I mean, not to ruin the ending for anyone, but, you know, I expected something more. more. But I love the well, game. Creativity is amazing it is in it. Such a, it is such a child's, um, sorry, an, an adult's child's adventure game basically it's a story it's a, a you know an adult storybook i suppose not in the pornographic sense mind you um, <laughs> well i love the way they think in that game i mean it's just really outside the box and i like that you can customize your character so much because some of the the things that you have to do where where it's a pan out and you have very tiny little characters i need to have like my character in a wedding dress or i can't tell which one's mine when i'm playing more than one player you know so is that how your character actually looks in a, in a dress? <laughs> yes, at times uh, the the sock sack girl sack boy has a, a wedding dress on. Um, sometimes Viking outfits. There's all sorts of really cool uh, designs, camo, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know about yours, but mine's pretty cool. Mine's a pirate. Ooh. It's got the musketeer hat. It's got the beard. It's got lobster claws. <laughs> Yeah, so I like I've that. changed it recently. Now it's wearing a crocodile suit and a headdress, Indian headdress. So <laughs> I like the stripes across the face and the ears. They have, they have a lot of neat choices. So, yeah. but I, I so, do uh, I love the anyways, game. Yeah, Go ahead. Project. Yeah, building a level in in Little Big Planet Two, but it's meant to be an expansion of like like a if you think um, Red Dead Redemption, Undead Nightmare. It's supposed to be an extension of, of the original game, and in this case, we're actually basing it off um, the, the the popular children's book, Where the Wild Things Are. Hmm. Um, so, you know, a lot of time and, and effort's gone into that, and we've just released our alpha, our our alpha level on on the PlayStation Network. Um, so, you know. So you're going to re you did release it to the moon uh, section where you can go and check out people's levels that they've built. Yeah. That it's live. Ooh, I have to get the name from you then, or you can tell now if you want other people to look at oh, it. Oh yeah, it's called uh, One Stormy Night. It's made by uh, Morton Doctor Grimm. Um, uh, you should be able to find it. It's just uh, Storm in a Teacup Alpha. We've also got a Facebook page, Storm in a Teacup, all one, uh, not one word, all separate words. But yeah, you know, we're 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 definitely trying to make this something that people will want to play and you know it may be a project now but it would be something that we would love to publish um, in days to come hmm how did the uh, what was it that you were working on earlier I'm trying it's not Metal Gear what was it the old game um, that you were Contra Contra that's right you were looking into Contra and and doing something with a, the level in Contra how did that go um, yeah, it's again. It's another work in progress. Uh, one of my other assignments is to build a 2D level um, based on the timeline of Contra. So I've recently just finished um, a level anal analysis of what will be in my level, which is sort of one of the things, one of the many things that a level design has to do is they have to know what's going in their level, what sort of mechanics are going to be there, the player um, skills that need to be. Um, used and, and uh, you know lots of complex and and boring stuff that no player ever really wants to know um, <laughs> unless you're using a walkthrough um i yeah, love walkthroughs like well, that's because you cheat yeah i love console cheese and walkthroughs what can i say dragon age is not quite the same if you don't have unlimited money it's more fun 
it's it's like shopping you know you have to be able to shop properly I'm not ashamed you know I don't use it to make my character invincible constantly and and to kill all hostiles but you know it's like being Charlie Sheen in real life <laughs> win win yeah, just winning all the time um, <laughs> but you know at the moment yeah I'm building a I'm building a, a level for um, Contra as well, which needs to fit into the storyline somewhere. So I've chosen um, the very first Contra game just after I think it's the second base. Mm. Um, yeah, after the second base, and it just fits just just in there. So you know, that's not something that will be published, but that's something that I'm actually working on as well. Not to mention, I've got a couple of other projects going. You know, some boring stuff like legal, uh, and uh, I've actually got a serious game. And if you're not sure what that is, that's uh like edutainment <laughs> uh, educational tricking you into uh, learning things while you're enjoying yourself what yeah 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 that's that's it it's like hey kids how to count to 10 by killing zombies <laughs> yes I've played a lot of those games uh, with little ones in school where they have to shoot small it's basically like angry birds but you know you get letters if you <laughs> knock over the uh, the woodens you know, structures or something like that. That's yeah, good. Okay. So yeah, well, yeah, we're we're, build, we're gonna build one of those um, in a couple of weeks as well. You know, it's still quite a distance off, but you know, something that that we can do. Okay. Not looking forward to that one though. <laughs> Here is something I, I've stumbled across in my research that I would like to know because it's irritating me. What is radiosity? Do you know? I have no idea. They keep um, mentioning radiosity like it's some sort of a, a, you know, a gaming term that I should be aware of, but I was obviously not deep into the creation process to know what that is. I wish I could tell you, but I can't. What I might do though is I might, um, I might find out what radiosity means from one of my mentors, and uh, I'll get back to you. Okay, good because it's going to keep me in suspense. That's interesting. <laughs> well, I, I've never heard that heard that term before. Like, I have I, not you know, either. Let's make it up. What do you think radiosity means? Radiosity. Well, if it's anything like our other made-up words, um, and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> radiosity. Um, I'm assuming it's got something to do with maybe lighting in, in a game, perhaps? Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe like perhaps the area around a character um, that's affected by... Uh, any actions like you know there's 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 a 10 foot radiosity around my character so that she will be only affected by bullets that hit within that area I don't know it really sounds like a made-up word something, <laughs> something no one would ever say well we're going to say it from now on so let's discover we'll discover the, the meaning of it and it will be to Google this now this is this is <laughs> not right now I won't do it now but you know I'll find out because that's I've never heard that term. Well, that is. There you go. Well, I'm giving you it's education for you. Education. <laughs> I've got to find that out now. <laughs> question stage. Okay. Um, I'm going to answer a few questions, listener questions, and then after I give my take on a uh, on the advice, why don't you chime in and give me your two cents afterwards? Okay. Okay. Sure. Nerd Rage asks, is video game making really fun or is it just hours of hard work? Well, 
according to my research and the fact that I know nothing at all about making video games except I choose to surround myself by experts, here is my answer to that. I think it's lots and lots of hard work, but if you love what you do, then you'll be willing to spend that time, and I, I believe the pay is pretty decent. So hopefully you have a team to bear some of that burden and rely on, although we've seen, as above, that it, it has its own challenges as well. Um, yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree, uh, but like anything that you do, um, and any job, you've got to love what you do. Um, if you don't love what you do, then, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be unhappy with it, and it'll just end up being hard work. So, if you love what you do, um, game design can be a lot of fun, um, and there's a lot of fun to be had. Um, there have been many days where I've had uh, me and my team just sit around and we've talked about ideas and had a lot of fun um, while still getting worked on. So yeah, it's it, it's it's both. It's hard work, but a lot of fun can be had if you know you do it right and you love what you do. There's something too I would think about making at least in my experience, something tangible, and at the end of the day you can hand someone the box and say this is what we made with 250 hours of our efforts. And I like that, you know, in my own artwork and other things where I, I have something physical that I can look at and say, yes, that is why I did this. And, and it kind of has a, a shelf life that's going to outlive, I mean, who knows, we're still playing Contra, <laughs> and that's been quite yeah, a while, yeah. so, I mean, it can really change people's recreational time and, and impact a lot of people so that's kind of neat. I think the thing for me was that when I, to, you know, getting into this whole thing was that I really wanted to make um, a product that people could enjoy and I, I know that I would be providing that enjoyment by making the game um, or by being involved in the making of the game so I think that like my primary motivator was that to provide enjoyment for other people was my, was my, my, my main concern. I think a lot of games that I play, I, I tend to fall in love with some of the characters, you know, especially Dragon Age or you know Mass Effect, the ones where you're you're playing, you know, you know thousands. I don't know how many hours it is total, but it's it's a lot of, of play time you get out of that, and you know you really have choices with with how you shape the positive or the negative aspects of the character, and you can really get pretty attached. And I think that'd be neat to kind of create your own living uh, people or your own living pets or things like that, you know, just the way you want that other people could enjoy. Second question. Head of the class asks, what are some of the things that a noob game designer doesn't even think of? Again, uh, in my experience, the whole of the pieces of any game would combine to make it great or extremely bad, so I think you'd have to pay attention to the little details, and preparation on paper or beforehand would be key before the actual creation begins. If I have to constantly walk around objects to get to the next area, in a game or if the textures are poor, I won't really stick with that game very long. Um, one case in point is the game Two Worlds 2, which I'm playing right now, and I really love the concept of the game and I love the story, but walking around ottomans and chairs in every single room just makes me want to scream. And also the camera use for me can kind of make or break a game. Uh, in that game specifically, especially when I ride a horse or if I'm running really quickly, I will actually get motion sick because the camera is just so awkward and uh, that kind of ruins it for me. What do you think about that? Um, I think the one thing that I want to stress is, and this is the thing that's basically been um, pounded into my mind for the last two years, is that um, the biggest thing in a game is gameplay. Um, 
hands down. It's not the art, it's not the uh, the music, although those things play a part. Um, you know, the gameplay, um, the mechanics, and how everything works together on you know the background level um, determines how good a game can be, and that's something you need to keep in mind. Um, yeah, yeah, the aesthetics are important, um, um, even more so given the fact that people are buying the game for what's on the cover, not what's in the actual game itself. <laughs> um, true, very true. Uh, it's true, it's, it's true, and, um, you know, I think you need to keep in mind, and a lot of newbies, newbie uh, game designers don't understand, is that gameplay is very, very important, because if you don't have, like, um, Genesee said, um, if you don't have, you know, the, the proper camera movements or you have to continually rotate the camera or, you know, walk around objects that, you know, shouldn't really impede in player movement, that's going to make a really unenjoyable game. Uh, I'm going to use the, the, the same example. Um, I played um, two world, the first two worlds. Um, and I put it down after about 30 minutes because I was just so bored. I, was just, uh... <laughs> I liked there some of the, uh... yeah, but see, there were, there were bone horses and that was pretty neat. I mean, you know, some of the extra bits were neat, but yeah, you're right. It was, it was very awkward. The interface was very awkward. I, I sort of find the same thing. Like, I'm not a massive fan of Dragon Age, um... Only because, you know, I, I find it a little bit weird having to cr control four, you know, and, uh, player, player characters at once. Um, it can be. I use the shift key a lot and select them all. <laughs> See, like, I played, I played it on Xbox and I was just like, so many buttons, what do I do? I, can't, I, can't just, <laughs> I don't have like, 30 minutes for one fight to go through every single spell for all four of you. No, I yeah, usually... Yeah, exactly that. So many spells, you <laughs> That's why I have tactics set up, so I know that certain people are a designated healer, certain people are designated, um, what they call scrapper, you know, different ones have their own, their own ways of going, and they have the spells lined up that they're gonna do just on rote, and then I usually just run, um, I had named her Hawk, I think her name was, like, Merica or something like that, I renamed her the main character, and I just run her, and then I, I hit shift and select them all and, and point them at the target I'm at so it dies faster, and I just let them roll their own spells out, because, no, I don't, I don't want to spend a half hour killing three people. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I played Dragon Age um, Awakening, was it? Is that the, is that the expansion? The expansions? Uh, yeah, Origins like, is the first one, and then, there yeah, there's Awakenings, I think, is yeah, like Awakening. an extra bit. So I played Awakening the other day, um... Yeah, it goes to show how good my memory is. Anyway, um, I just, I got it into the first, you know, the first level, and I was just like, I, ha I had a, a dwarf character, and I was like, uh, this is, uh, no. No, no. no. Boring, uh, lots of talking, I was just like... <laughs> I don't know about the mor the morality of my character. You know, do I have to say nice things? Do I? I don't know. Do I? You can choose. Yeah. It, it's it's agonizing like, though, don't you think? I mean, I will sit there for ten minutes going, I don't know. Should I say this? Mm -mm, I don't know. Like I, I'm all down for like, um, you know, I played Mass Effect right through to the very end, and like I'm all down for like the the the, the multiple choice answers. 
you know, determining how your character acts in the game, but having five of them, um, <laughs> that was, I was just like, I don't, I don't know, um, this one, what, what, oh no, he's attacking me, what do I do now? Um, um, <laughs> save early, spell. save often, that's what they say. Yeah, well, that's a general rule in any game. <laughs> I do like that you can, uh... Bioware is very fond of the promiscuous uh, leader, don't you think? Like, the main character? They're very fond yeah. of that. It, it has an extra certain element to it. You know, well, if I say this, then no, you know. <laughs> There's a whole kind of pressure of relationships there that it, that's not there with your normal games, you know? Usually... And in some of your previous um, podcasts, you know, I think you've spoken about relationships in-game. And uh, I think it's it's hard enough that you know gamers try and get relationships in real life, um, let alone <laughs> in, in a game. I'm just like, oh no, what if I fail in game? That's horrible. <laughs> can't get a date out of game. Can't get a date in game. I know. No, no, it's just that's just kind of depressing. I'm just like, oh no, what? Oh, what did I do wrong now? <laughs> See? See? I'm not holding a relationship down in real life either. Ah! <laughs> Negative five rivalry for you. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Um, I know. I think the worst. I think the worst part is, is that it's more or less the the the, the mi mind frame of how many of these NPCs can I sleep with with my one. <laughs> it's very right? true. It's very much the um the fable. I had two wives in Fable. I worked that out that I could have wives in different cities, so they didn't know about each other. And uh, you know, you can you can be very creative in Fable. It is like that, definitely. Fable teaching gamers how to play. <laughs> in so many ways. After you graduate, then uh, from this from the school, what will be your degree? What will they call you? Um, they'll call me Lord Master. <laughs> 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 I'm uh, completely uh, going there. Hey? I'm going there then. I want to be Lady okay. of Time and Universe. Dame of... Uh, <laughs> Dame? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it'll give me my Bachelor in Interactive Entertainment. Interactive Entertainment, okay. Yes, so I don't know what they'll call me. My lord or something. <laughs> okay, excellent. I just wondered what Sire. the degree was called. Sire. <laughs> Sire. Sire, yes. Well, Your Majesty, I don't know, <laughs> one of those. Anything else you'd like to share with us about the creation of gaming, Your Majesty? Whenever you see a game designer, bow down to them in public. <laughs> I don't know, there's, uh, uh, you know, maybe some words of wisdom is that if you're going to do one of these courses, um, you know, at, at university or at a pri private college, um, the failure rates are, are very high, so if it's what you want to do, make sure that you know, you really want to do it and stick with it. Um, the assignments can be hard, but in the long run, um, it's well worth it, especially if it's what you love and what you want to do. Um, and also remember that the industry is very competitive. If you don't get that first job, don't give up. Just keep trying, keep making games, keep making art, and, you know, eventually you'll find something because I know that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, do your research. Um, because, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, one of you could be uh, competing against me for a job and know that I am ruthless. I am a bloodthirsty villain. <laughs> okay, well, they've been warned, so thank you so much, Dragon. 
I appreciate you being on the show again. If any of the listeners have suggestions about future topics or ways to improve the show, I'll be setting up a live recording on Ustream for next week, uh, so join me in the chat and participate in the show. There's also a new gray area website where you can find out the date and the time for this Ustream, and you can reach that discussion page to leave comments about this episode. You can hear the podcast and email me at www.genesee.com and let me know your questions or to add to this current discussion. If you have any gray areas in your relationship and would like to submit this, or maybe you need some advice and a new perspective, please email me at geneseegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode. <laughs> <laughs>